And so we see that Revelation 15 is actually a continuation of really from, from all the way going back to, to chapter 13. And so we saw that the, that the judgment of God is, the final judgment of God is, has come upon the world. Right? We saw that in chapter 14 ended with an angel crying out to the Lord Jesus and saying, all right, it's time. It's time. The, the, the earth is past due. It's, it's past being ripe. You know, it's, it's so ripe that it's going to grow. It's going to get bad on the vine. You know, he's saying, all right, it's time to judge the earth. And so then we saw that John sees two other angels in, in chapter 14 announcing the final judgment of God upon the earth. So we've seen that the grace period has come to an end. Uh, God has extended the last opportunity of the last opportunity of the last opportunity for people to repent before the end comes. And, and, and now we're going to see it come, actually. And so verse, verse 1 of chapter 15 starts off by saying, John speaking, he says, Then I saw another sign in heaven, great and marvelous. I saw seven angels having, seven, having the seven last plagues. For in them the wrath of God is complete. And so John sees another sign in addition to the woman uh, in addition to, to the woman who was with child, in addition to the dragon, in, in addition to everything else that he saw, the beast coming out of the earth and the sea, he sees another sign. He sees seven angels who are holding the final seven plagues. And he says, for in them, the wrath of God is complete. That's heavy. That's sobering. And really, I mean, we've seen that, that there's been uh, seven seal judgments, there's been seven trumpet judgments, and now there's going to be seven bowl judgments, which are the final judgments of God. And we see, that, we see that the judgments of God upon the earth began in chapter 6 as the Lamb took the scroll and, and unloosed the seals. And now we see the last of the judgments being carried out. So it's been a whole uh, three and a half years already that, that we've just read through as all these things are going on on the earth. And so verse 2 says, And I saw something like a sea of glass mingled with fire, and those who, had, who have the victory over the beast, over his image, and over his mark, and over the number of his name, standing in the sea of glass, having harps of God, and verse 3 says, They sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and marvelous are your works, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are your ways, O King of the saints. Who shall, who shall not fear you, O Lord, and glorify your name? For you alone are holy. For all the nations shall come and worship before you. For your judgments have been manifested. And so we see that John saw something like a sea of glass mingled with fire. Not a sea of glass, but he said it was like a sea of glass mingled with fire. It was the best of a description, he could describe it as a sea of glass, meaning just, uh, 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 just shining, right, with, with, mingled with fire. So you just imagine all the, all the colors that he saw, the, 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 the brightness that he saw. And in that sea, John sees the believers who did not bow their knee to the beast and receive the mark. And those really who were, who were martyred for their faith in Jesus. And John sees them in the midst of the sea that is like glass, uh, that, that is mingled with fire. And notice that, that, that these were uh, faithful unto death. They might have rejected Christ at first, which is why they got left behind at the rapture, but they saw God's judgment, they saw God's hand, they, saw, they, they heard the, the message of salvation, they heard the gospel message, and, and they, they ended up coming to faith in Jesus Christ through the tribulation period. They had to suffer for their faith, and they had, they had to die for their faith, but, but, but they did so faithfully. And so these were faithful unto death, and the Bible calls them victorious over the beast. I love that. I love it because as we went through chapter 13 and we started seeing the beast, right, the dragon, the number of the beast, 666, and all these things, you could think, I mean, people look at that chapter or even just hear the descriptions and you think, man, it's just this untamable, unconquerable, uh, uh, just huge mountain of a, of, of a monster that no one can stand up against. And yet here we see that these believers were victorious over the beast. 
Later on, John would tell us that, that, that they were victorious uh, because of the word of their testimony, right? And so here John sees them there in the midst of the sea, and, and we see that John sees them standing there in the sea of glass, having harps of God. And he says that the harps, uh, as they had these harps, you know, that, that, that they were worshiping. Now, the harps are, is, is being symbolic of just this celebration and glory. And so these guys got killed for their faith, they got martyred for their faith, but yet here they are victorious over the beast, Victorious over the number of the beast, victorious over the beast's uh, false religious system, and yet they're celebrating, they're worshiping God, right, in, in glory, right? They were killed for the faith and 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 for the faith in Jesus, and what are they doing? <laughs> they're singing unto the Lord. I love that. That's amazing because that gives us hope in our trials as well. It's like, man, these guys were able to go through the tribulation period, sur- uh, survive it, or, or 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 get killed in the midst of it, and yet they're able to be at the end of the tribulation period victorious and worshiping God, it's like, man, that gives me hope in my trials. Right? That gives me hope when, man, we see our family members sick, we see all this stuff going on, we see our kids, you know, uh, straight away from the Lord. It's like, man, it gives us hope in our trials and it, it speaks to us and it tells us that we could still worship God in the midst of our trials. Why? Because God is victorious. Right? He's given us a victory and we know that God's going to have His will and His way no matter what. And so we're told... That, that, that they're there, they're standing with harps in their hands, they're, they're, they're celebrating, right, they're, they're, they're victorious. Now, and we're told that they sing the song of Moses and of the Lamb. And then uh, John goes, goes ahead and he gives us the lyrics to the song of, of Moses and, and of the Lamb. He says, Great are your marvelous works, and, and Lord, Lord God Almighty, uh, just and true are your ways, O King of the saints. You, who shall not fear you, O Lord, and glorify your name, for you alone are holy. For all nations shall come and worship before you, for your judgments have been manifested. I like what John Phillips, if you're familiar with, with, with John Phillips and his uh, various commentaries, John Phillips, in, in his commentary here in the book of Revelation, he says this, and, and he makes this contrast between uh, the two songs in a wonderful way. The, the song of Moses is given to us in, in Exodus, I believe, chapter 15, when, when, uh, when, uh, when, when Moses brings the people of, of Israel through the Red Sea, you remember that once they cross the Red Sea on, on dry land and they get to the other side and they see the Egyptians and the horses and all the chariots being drowned. We have the song of Moses where, where Moses begins to just worship the Lord for his triumph over, over Egypt. And then, and so, so we see that these saints now, they're, they're singing the song of Moses and the Lamb. And again, John Phillips makes this awesome contrast between the two songs, the song of Moses and the song of the Lamb. And he says, the song of Moses was sung at the Red Sea. The song of the Lamb is sung at the Crystal Sea. He says, the song, the song of Moses was a song of triumph over Egypt, and the song of the Lamb is a song of triumph over Babylon. The song of Moses told how God brought his people out, and the song of the Lamb tells of how God brings his people in. The song of Moses was the first song in Scripture, and the song of the Lamb is the last song in Scripture. The song of Moses commemorated the execution of of the foe, the, ex- the expectation of the saints, and the exaltation of the Lord, and the song of the Lamb deals with the same three themes. That's heavy. That's heavy. Even just when he said that, that, that the song of Moses was the first song we saw, and the song of the Lamb is the last song that, 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 that we see in Scripture. And really we see that it's all about the Lord because we see that it was, it, it was the Lord who brought them up out of Egypt. It was the Lord who led them through the Red Sea on dry ground. It was the Lord who, 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 who led them that, those 40 years in the wilderness. And we see again just this amazing truth that the whole Bible is about Jesus, right? It starts with Jesus, it ends with Jesus, and it continues on with Jesus throughout all eternity. And so it goes on to say then, verse 5, it says, After these things I looked, and behold, the temple of the tabernacle of the testimony in heaven was opened. 
And out of the temple came the seven angels, having the seven plagues, clothed in pure bright linen, and having their chests girded with the golden bands. And verse 7 says, Then one of the four living creatures gave to the seven angels seven golden bowls full of the wrath of God, who lives forever and ever. And the temple was filled with smoke from the glory of God and from His power. And no one was able to enter the temple till the seven plagues of the seven angels were completed. And chapter 16, verse 1 says, Then I heard a loud voice from the temple saying to the seven angels, Go and pour out the bowls of the wrath of God on the earth. And so we see that, that, that John sees the seven angels with the seven plagues coming out of the temple of God. Now, this word right here for, for, for the temple of God in the Greek, it's the, the, the nails, right? It's the holy, it's describing the holy of holies of the tabernacle of the testimony that's there in heaven. And now we see it opened up. And, and that's heavy because John sees uh, the tabernacle of God opened up. He sees the Holy of Holies opened up in heaven. And what comes out of it? The judgment of God. The wrath of God. And so we see that this, that this wrath that's, coming, that's being poured out on the earth, it's not coming from God's anger. It's not coming from God's injustice. It's not coming from God's, from this dark place. But no, it's coming from the very presence of God. Right? And, 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 and I mean, many people would, 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 would question this. And they would say, man, if God is so loving... How could he judge? If God is so loving, how can he you know, do this? If God is so loving, how could he pour out his wrath on, on, on the world? I mean, there's a whole cult out there, you know, known as the as, uh, Jehovah's Witnesses, who, 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 who base their whole theology of heaven and hell based on the, what they you know, uh, describe as the goodness of God. And they say, God is a loving God who will never send anyone to hell. God is a loving God who will never judge somebody. Right? But we see that because God is loving, because God is justice, then therefore he has to hate evil, and he has to hate wickedness, and he has to not just hate it, but he has to condemn it, and he has to judge it. And so we see that, that we've come now to the place in the book of Revelation where, where this final judgment comes upon the earth. And so we see that John sees the seven angels, uh, and as he sees them, he says that he sees them clothed in the priestly garments. Notice that as he sees them, these angels are, are, are it says that they're clothed in pure, bright linen, and they have, uh, they're girded their chest with the golden band. And really, it's describing the, the priestly garments there in the Old Testament. And so we see that, 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 these, that these seven angels were God's ministers, right? They're the ones who God was going to use to bring judgment upon the earth. They were just God's ministers. You know, and, and God's going to use them, to, again, to execute judgment on the earth. Now, keep this in mind. You know, here's the idea. About some 2,000 years ago, the wrath of God was already poured out on Jesus Christ because of what he did for sinners. Right? It was poured out by full blow on Jesus Christ, the wrath of God. In the future, as we're reading about it here in Revelation, in the future, we see that, that the wrath will be poured out on sinners because of what they did to Jesus Christ. The first time it was poured out on Jesus because of what he did for sinners. The second time it's going to be poured out on sinners for what they did to Jesus. That is, reject them. Right? And so this, this is really what we're seeing right now. And so we see that John hears them and he hears a voice tell them, go out and pour pour out the bowls of the wrath of God on the earth. And so here's God now, he's about to, 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 to condemn the world, right? Those who have rejected him, those who have rejected the gospel, those who have rejected salvation and sided with the beast, sided with the Antichrist, sided with, with Satan himself. But we see that it, it, this isn't the will of God, this isn't God's perfect will, right? Second Peter 3.9 tells us that the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but he's long-suffering toward us. He's not willing that any of us should perish, but that we should all come to repentance. Habakkuk, in his, in his prayer to the Lord there in Habakkuk 3.2, at, at the end of his prayer to God, he says, Lord, in your wrath, 
remember mercy. And, and we see that God is a merciful God, right? And, and really, we see here uh, this, this, this display of God's mercy extended even in his judgment. Because by the time that God pours out the seven bowls of his final wrath on the earth, the unbelievers will have been warned time after time after time after time to repent. But sadly, we see that mercy refused brings judgment. Right? I mean, we see that within ourselves, you know, right? and within us as humans. Like, man, you want to help someone out, you extend your hand out time after time after, t- after time, that, the hand of mercy, but then it gets to the point where they just continually reject it, reject it, reject it, and they bring that judgment upon themselves for whatever situation. And so, so much more with God. Right? We see that, that mercy refused brings judgment. Now, by this time, you know, all the people who, who are going to feel the, the wrath of God, you know, by this time, they will have heard the, 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 the saving message of salvation of the gospel preached by the 144,000 Jews. They would have heard it preached by the two witnesses who died and then resurrected. They would have heard it uh, uh, preached by, by, by the other redeemed Gentiles and, and even the Jews in the tribulation period. And they even, by this time, I would have heard the gospel preached by an angel who flew throughout the whole earth just sharing the gospel. That's all he did. Just flew out the, throughout the whole earth sharing the gospel. Right? And so we see that, that, that God didn't leave them without, without a warning. God didn't leave them w- without an opportunity to repent, without an opportunity to accept his mercy and his salvation. Right? But it, it's, it's, it's man who, who hardened his heart. And that's what the Bible tells us in Proverbs. Proverbs 28, 14 says, Happy is a man who is always reverent. But he who hardens his heart will fall into calamity. Man, so true. And we're seeing it here in the, in the, at the end of the tribulation period. Right? Happy is a man who is always reverent, but he who hardens his heart will fall into calamity. Proverbs 28, 14. And so it goes on to say there in verse 2 of chapter 16, he says, now looking at the first bowl, uh, first bowl of judgment, it says, so the first one went and poured out his bowl upon the earth, and a foul and loathsome sore came upon the men who had the mark of the beast and those who worshipped his image. Then the second angel poured out his bowl on the sea, and it became blood as of a dead man, and every living creature in the sea died. And so we see now the, the first and, and the second bowl judgments. Now, interesting that unlike the seal and the trumpet judgments, which were given uh, kind of gradually, right, uh, these bowl judgments they're going to be dumped out all at once. When God says, all right, go and pour out the bowls, it gives the idea of just, all right, pour out all at once, move full force, all at once. And so we see that the first plague is, is described as a foul and, and loathsome sore uh, that, that came upon the people who, who worshipped the beast and had his mark. Now, it's not that, again, keep in mind, it's not that, the, that, the, that these people, uh, you know, didn't know what they were doing. It's not, it's not that they took the mark accidentally, or they, oh man, we, we didn't know we were worshipping the beast, we didn't know we were worshipping Satan, no, they knew that by taking the mark of the beast, they would be siding with Satan and his antichrist, right, so don't feel bad for them, they, they, they did this knowingly, right, it's not that, there's, there's no way of excusing it, it's not, it's not that they didn't know what they were doing, and so God is bringing judgment upon them now for siding with the beast, for, for siding with Satan, and really this is something that Jesus said as well, Right? As, he, as he was with, with the disciples, he said, hey, if you're not for us, you're against us. If you're not for me, you're against us. And we see that with the Lord, there's no middle ground. There's no neutral ground. You can't be, ah, you know, I'm not for Jesus, I'm not against him, I'm just neutral. No, Jesus said, if, if he who's not for me is against me. And so we see that now that God is executing judgment on those who have, uh, who have knowingly placed themselves against God. Right? And so we see at the point of these sores is to bring physical torment 
to those who worship the beast and reject the Christ. And then we're told about the second bowl judgment. The second bowl judgment, we're told that, that uh, it turns the sea into blood. And John describes it as, as being like the blood of a dead man. Now, what does that mean? Now, just imagine this. I mean, I mean this gives us the idea of like when a person is, is sorry to be gruesome, you know, but when a person is laying there uh, on the floor, bleeding out you know, the, the, and, and not moving, uh, I don't know if you've ever seen, if you've ever bled a lot or seen someone bleed a lot, their blood just gets all coagulated and thick and uh, sticky. And, and so John is saying, you know, that, that, the, that the whole sea turned into this dark, sticky, coagulated, thick blood. That's heavy, actually. That's kind of gross. I mean, imagine the whole ocean becoming like this, right? I believe it's like 70% of the, of the world is, is all ocean. 70% of the world, and imagine 70% of the, of, of the world, 70% of, of that water just being just like blood. Thick, smelly, coagulated, uh, sticky. Uh, it'll be disgusting, right? I mean, I mean this, and this wasn't symbolic. You know, this, this is to be taken literally. I mean, God was literally going to turn the, the ocean water into blood. He did it once already with Pharaoh. You guys remember there in Egypt when he used Moses to, to, to go down to, to the Nile River? What he turned into blood? He turned all the, all, uh, all the water sources there in Egypt into blood. He's going to do it again at the, at the end of the tribulation period as final judgment. And so we see, uh, again, uh, that, again it's, it's God's judgment now upon the earth, right? And we see that God has already given them multiple opportunities to repent, and now they're suffering the consequences of, of really siding with, with, with Satan. And so it goes on to say there in verse 4, it says, Then the third angel poured out his bowl on the rivers and the springs of water, and they became blood. And I heard the angel of the waters saying, You are righteous, O Lord, the one who is and who was and who is to be, because you have judged these things, for they have shed the blood of saints and of prophets. And it's in verse 6, For they have shed the blood of the saints and of the prophets, and you have given them blood to drink, for it is they're just due. And it goes on to say in verse 7, And I heard another from the altar saying, Even so, Lord God Almighty, true and righteous are your judgments. And so we see, again, now, now the, the third bowl of judgment. And we see that now all the fresh water turns into blood. First, with that, with that second bowl of judgment, all the ocean water, all the salt water turns into blood. And now with the third bowl of judgment, now all the fresh water turns into blood. All the rivers, all the streams, all the fountains, all the geysers, all the fresh water sources now turn into blood. So with all the salt water uh, already been ruined, I mean, now all the fresh water sources, they're all gone. And, I mean, we see that, that with all this going on, I mean, people are going to be asking themselves, man, how could God do this to us, right? I mean, you could just imagine, you could just hear already, with God just executing judgment upon the world, you could just imagine people's responses. How could God do this to us? Why would God do this to us? Even us hearing this, I mean, I'll be honest, I could read this, I'm like, man, that's harsh, that's heavy, I don't want to go through this. And it's even uh, kind of hard to believe a, a little bit that, that God would do this, right? And that, and that he would in, in, inflict this judgment on people, but we see that, that, that it's God's righteous judgment. And so just as many of us or many people hearing this, reading it or hearing it taught, could think, man, how could a loving, merciful, just God do this? Right? And just how many of those people who are going to go through it are probably going to be thinking the same thing or saying the thing, same thing. Uh, we see that all of a sudden this angel just kind of, he just gets up and he starts kind of defending God's honor. Right? And he says, this angel stands up and he says, You are righteous, O Lord. You've judged them because they were bloodthirsty, so you have given them blood to drink. 
And so we see that even in judgment, God is righteous. Why? Because God judged them according to their deeds. These guys were bloodthirsty. Keep in mind, again, they sided with the Antichrist. They sided with the beast. They took the mark of the beast. They, they persecuted the church. They persecuted the believers. Right? They uh, gave them the option of serve the, the, the beast, and take the mark, or get beheaded. And so just as these guys were, were bloodthirsty for the people of God, it's like God is saying, all right, man, you guys are so thirsty for blood, I'm going to give you blood to drink. So he turned all the water into blood. And so we see that even in judgment, God is righteous, right? Because God judged them according to their deeds. And so the punishment kind of fits the crime there. And so it goes on to say there in verse, in verse 8, it says, Then the fourth angel poured out his bowl on the sun, and the power was given him to, to scorch man with fire. And men were scorched with great heat, and they blasphemed the name, the name of God who, who has power over these plagues, and they did not repent and give him glory. In verse 10, now the fifth bowl says, Then the fifth angel poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast and on his kingdom. And his kingdom became full of darkness, and they gnawed their tongues because of the pain. They blasphemed the God of heaven because of their, uh, their pains and their sores, and they did not repent of their deeds. And so we see now with, uh, with, with all the water having turned into, into blood, all the salt water, all the fresh water, we see now that, that, that the Lord brings in another plague, and that is the, you know, the, 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 the sun scorching them with fire. Now, this fourth bowl, you know, it, it's, it's the scorching with fire. And we see that God's going to uh, allow the heat of the sun to, to shine down with full force. I mean, man, dude, it's hot right now. I left, I left my house this morning, 6.30. I'm like, man, it's hot already. I'm at work during the week. I'm like, man, dude, it's hot already. I was talking to Liz's brother who lives in Arizona. And he sent me a screenshot of the weather for the week. And it was like 1.15 today and like 1.18 tomorrow. I'm thinking, man, dude, how could anyone live there? Right? And now just imagine that, you know, 118, 115, but yet still we have the, the, the atmosphere and, and, and everything protecting us from the UV rays. But when, when God judges the world there at the end of the tribulation period, he's going to remove all that stuff. He's going to remove all protection. He's going to allow the, 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 the rays of the sun to beam down on humanity with full force. And so we're told that, that, that the people were, were, were scorched with, with fire, literally, right? Now we're told that, that the people who worship the beast, instead of all right, Lord, we're sorry. Lord, we recognize we messed up. Lord, we repent. No, it says that they blaspheme God. Right? It says that, 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 that they curse God instead of, instead of repenting. And so that, that gives us in, insight into their hearts that, man, keep, keep in mind that they've already survived uh, the first three and a half, almost seven years of the tribulation period. They've seen God's judgment come upon the earth upon, uh, with, uh, in various forms. And yet after all that, you know, after God extending his mercy to them and, and allowing them to, to, to repent, it's like they're still, man, they're still cursing God and they're still blaspheming God when, when they see his judgments. And then we're told about the fifth bowl. The fifth bowl judgment brings darkness and pain. And so we're told that the fifth angel pours out his bowl on the throne of the beast and his kingdom. And so we see that this fifth bowl judgment is a, is a direct attack on the Antichrist. It's a direct attack on the kingdom of the Antichrist or the beast. Right? Now, we see the effect of the people is, is, is that they, you know, because of this darkness, because of this pain, keep in mind they have sores, they've already been kind of scorched, you know, burned, and, and, and now they're seeing this, this, uh, this thick darkness just come upon them, right? And, and we see the effect of it is that they, they, they nod on their tongues because of the pain. So it's like they were trying to distract, they, they were in so much pain that they began to just bite their tongues because they were in so much pain. I don't know if you guys ever uh, uh, gotten hurt, Somewhere else in your body, it's like you pinch yourself or you try to distract yourself from the pain. I remember when I was in Colombia, uh, I had a really, really, really bad toothache. 
And they took me to the, like, the nearest little uh, uh, clinic there. This lady shows up. She's like, what's wrong? I'm like, my tooth is hurting. She gave me two shots. And she gave me a shot in the butt. <laughs> and then she gave me a, like, a pill like this thick. She's like, all right, this should help. And I went home. And I went back to the, to the Bible college. I'm like, dude, I'm in so much pain. It was like, like the heaviest pain I've ever felt in my life. And so I told man, we've got to go to the dentist. The, near, the nearest dentist was like eight hours away. So they're like, man, you got to wait till next morning. So I remember like that whole night, I couldn't sleep. I went outside. I started like doing push-ups. I started, uh, I tried to like distract myself from the pain. I remember I started pinching myself so hard, you know, that I was like almost made myself bleed because I wanted to distract myself from the pain in my face. And so that, that's what these guys are doing, you know, is that they're, they're feeling so much pain from the, from the scorching sun, from the sores, from, uh, from, from everything else that, that they've already experienced, right, made from dehydration, that they begin to just bite down on their own tongues to distract themselves from the pain. That's, dude, it's intense. It's intense. There's no other way to describe it, right? And so we see that, again, that, 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 that these guys also, that, just, uh, that those who were in the darkness, again, they blaspheme God because of their pain, right? They didn't blaspheme God because they say, Lord... You didn't give us another chance to repent. Lord, you didn't give us another, another chance to, 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 to accept mercy. Lord, you didn't give us another chance to accept the gospel. No, it says that they blaspheme God because of their pain. Now, notice it's not because of their sin or because of their rejection of God, but they blaspheme God because of their pain, meaning that they're just, they're still unrepentant, right? They're in it for themselves. They could care less about God. We see that the, that the bowl will be poured out on the beast and his kingdom specifically, Meaning that every, like everyone else, every single person on the world, they're going to see that the beast is just as helpless as everyone else. And it's like, keep in mind that, that they've dedicated their life to following the beast. They've dedicated their, their life to, 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 to worshiping the beast, to taking his mark, the 666, on their right hand or on their forehead. Right? They've, they've uh, openly and knowingly rejected God to side with Satan and his Antichrist and the false prophet. And yet here they are, they're experiencing the judgment of God. And they're seeing the beast and, and his kingdom experience the same judgment as they are. So it's like their eyes are going to be open. They're going to realize, like, man, he's just like us. He's not above us. He can't even help us. He's going through the same things as us. But yet they're still going to refuse to repent. They're still going to refuse to, to worship God. They're still going to refuse to bow the knee to the Lord. Right? Even after all this, even after seeing that the beast is helpless like everyone else, they're still going to refuse to repent. So it, just, it just talks about, the, the, again, the hardness of their heart. And so it goes on to say there in verse 12 now, it says, uh, now talking about the sixth bowl judgment. It says, then the sixth, the sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great river, the river Euphrates, and its water was dried up so that the way of the kings from the east might be prepared. And I saw three unclean spirits like, the, like frogs coming out of the mouth of the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. For they are spirits of demons performing signs which go out of the kings of the earth and of the whole world to gather them to the battle of of the, on the great day of God Almighty. And verse 15 says, Behold, now is Jesus speaking, he says, Behold, I'm coming as a thief. Blessed is he who watches and keeps his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. And verse 16, And they gathered them together to the place called in Hebrew, Armageddon. Now, we see now the, the, the sixth bowl judgment. Right? We're getting to, 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 the, to the last of the judgments. We see now the sixth bowl judgment. And we see that, that the sixth bowl judgment brings about uh, this drying up of the river Euphrates. Uh, now the river Euphrates is this great river in the Middle East. And so we're told that as the river dries up, it creates a road for the nations from the east to come in. And it's actually interesting because later on in chapter 19, we're going to see a war take place, uh, what we know as the Battle of Armageddon. And in chapter 19, 
It, it tells us that, that all the kings of the earth will gather to make war against the Lamb in this one place in, 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 the, in the valley of Megiddo. And, I mean, we could ask ourselves, man, well, how are they all going to get there, right, with so many bodies of water and all these things gone? But, I mean, uh, with, with the river Euphrates being dried up, it, it opens up the way now for these other nations to come in and to, and to kind of uh, 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 alliance themselves with the, with the beast, with the Antichrist, right, and, and, and with Satan in order to, like, form this army that they're going to form in chapter 19 and do battle against the Lord and against uh, his saints. And so as the, as the river dries up, it creates this, this road for them now. And so we see that this road is paving the way for the battle that's going to take place later on. And then John gives us a second, kind of like a, like a little pause in between. You know, as he's going through these bold judgments, he's going through these bold judgments, he, he's explaining what's going on, he's explaining what's taking place, and then he, he kind of gives this little break or this little interlude, you know, as he sees three demons, three unclean spirits uh, come out of uh, the beast, the false prophet, and, and the dragon, meaning Satan. And we see that John describes these, these three demons as, uh, he says, they're like frogs. I'm not, I'm not sure what that means, to be honest, you know, but, but John describes them, they're like frogs. Uh, it could be talking about just, uh, actually, I don't, I don't want to get into it because I, I don't know what it means. You know, but he says that they came out like frogs. I don't know if they looked like frogs or, they, or, or what it was, but it, says that, that, uh, it was something unpleasant. Right? So John sees them coming out of the mouth of the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophets. So there are three uh, demonic forces, there are three demonic spirits. And then John tells us that, that, that these that these spirits of demonic influences, that they're going to go out to gather the kings of the earth to come and do battle with the Lord in Armageddon. So as these three demonic spirits come out of the beast, the Antichrist, the beast, the dragon, and the false prophet, they're going to influence the rest of the kings who are on the earth or the rest of the nations that are on the earth and convince them to come and do battle against the Lord. Right? And so we see that the, that the battle that takes place in chapter 19, this battle of Armageddon, this rebellion against God, it's, it's demonically inspired. Right, like Satan's behind it. It's this demonic inspiration behind behind uh, this 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 resistance to Jesus, right? And this resistance from from Jesus setting up his his uh, his earthly kingdom. But then, just like in the middle of all this darkness, in the middle of these plagues, in the middle of all this judgment, in the middle of all this death, in the middle of this pestilence, in the middle of all this uh, demonic activity, it's like you get this breath of fresh air, and all of a sudden the Lord speaks, and He says, "Behold, I'm coming as a thief. Blessed is he who watches." and keeps his garments. In the midst of judgment, in the midst of calamity, in the midst of torment, in the midst of all this, Jesus says, hey, blessed. Blessed is he who watches. And blessed is he who keeps his garments, lest he walk naked, and they see his shame. All right, so if we see like before the battle takes place, as, as, as the playing field is being set up for the battle of Armageddon, the final battle that's going to take place, we get this encouragement of victory. And the Lord speaks. And he says, behold, I am coming as a thief. Blessed is he who watches and keeps his garment. Meaning, I'm coming suddenly. I'm coming unexpectedly. Right? And, and the encouragement is, is to be ready. You know, to, 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 to not let your guard down. He says, hey, be ready because I'm coming quickly. I'm coming suddenly. I'm coming unexpectedly. Now, th that's heavy because, I mean, he tells them, lest he walk. He says, let him be ready. Don't let your guard down lest he walk naked and they see his shame. And, and that's heavy because those who, who had committed to following the Antichrist, Sometime before, those who had committed to following the beast sometime before, man, they never thought this day was going to come, right? At the beginning of the tribulation period, as the church was raptured, at the beginning of the tribulation period, they thought, all right, the church is gone, there's no restraining force, we could uh, rule in the world, we could set up our own laws, there's no Christians anymore to, to, to get in the way of these laws getting passed, 
There's no Christians anymore of getting in the way of you know, us taking over the public school system. There's no more Christians in the way of, of us getting in the way of, uh, of, of, of doing whatever we want to do with this political system. And so they thought that judgment was never going to come. They thought that that's it, man. They had the world in the palm of their hands. They, they did whatever they, they wanted with it. And all of a sudden, judgment comes, right? They had to convince themselves that the day of judgment God spoke of would never come. But we see that just because God's judgment doesn't happen fast doesn't mean it's never going to happen. And I don't know if you guys ever prayed, so I pray about certain things. I'm like, Lord, I'm just do something about this. The situation already. Lord, I've been praying for years. Lord, I've been praying for months. Lord, I've been waiting. Lord, I feel like you promised me your word that this was going to happen. Lord, it's like I'm just waiting and waiting and waiting. When is it going to come? Right now, just because God delays doesn't mean he's not going to show up. Just because his promises delayed doesn't mean that they're absent. Right? God's, God will have his weight and, and, and uh, a lot of times it's for reasons that we don't know. But most of the time it's because he's extending mercy on the other, on the other side, on the other end. And so these guys had convinced themselves, the whole world at this point, had convinced themselves uh, to commit to following the beast, to serving the beast, to worshiping Satan, right? They convinced themselves that, that the day of judgment that God spoke of would never come, and all of a sudden, it comes, right? They let their guard down, and, and now it's come upon them, and, and it's too late. Now it's too late. They have rejected God. They've hardened their hearts. They've served the beast. They've gotten his mark. They've identified themselves with, with Satan, and now it's too late. And so it goes on to say, there in verse 17 of the seventh bowl judgment. It says, Then the seventh angel poured out his bowl into the air, and a loud voice came out of the temple of heaven from the throne, saying, It is done. That's it. It is done. He says, And there were noises and thunderings and lightnings and, and great earthquake, as had not occurred since men were on the earth, nor, uh, nor the great city was... Now the great city was divided into three parts, and the city of the nations fell... And great Babylon was, rem was remembered before God to give her the cup of the wine of the fierceness of his wrath. Then every island fled away and the mountains were not found. And great hail from heaven fell upon men, each hailstone about the weight of a, of a talent. Men blasphemed God because of the plagues of the hail, since that plague was exceedingly great. And so we see now the, the, the seventh bowl of judgment that, that, that came upon the earth. And as this... As the, as the seventh angel pours out his seven, the seventh bowl of judgment upon the earth, we're told that, that this voice came out from heaven and it says, it is done. That's it. Right? We've been going through these seven years of the tribulation period. We've been going through half, from halfway all these judgments that, 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 that God has been pouring out on the world as an extension of mercy to those people who, were, who, were got, left, who got left behind. Right? Many got saved throughout the tribulation period. Many rejected. Uh, for many people... These plagues cause them to, to turn to the Lord. For many of them, it caused them to harden their hearts against the Lord. And it's like God has been extending His mercy time after time after time, even throughout the seven-year tribulation period when the church is already gone. Right? Many received, many rejected, many uh, got saved, many got lost. And now He says, it is done. That's it. That grace period is now ended. That, that, that period for extending mercy, it's over. Now, judgment. That's heavy. I tell you, up until this point, man, we see that God is still extending mercy. Again, the, like, this is, like Peter says in Second Peter, that God is not willing that, that none should perish, right? But that, but that all of us will come to repentance and salvation. But now we get to a point where, where God, it's like, all right, that, that, that window of grace is closed. And, and that's kind of sobering because we see that, that, that for the earth, I mean, for mankind, that window of grace is going to eventually come to an end. All right, and so Jesus first warns him, he says, all right, he says, 
Behold, I'm coming as a thief. Right? Blessed is he who watches and who keeps his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. And when he, when he says up there in verse 15 about keeping his garments, you know, he's talking about salvation, that garment of salvation, that garment of just a, of his righteousness, the righteousness of Christ. Just keep it, man, until the end. We get discouraged as we see all these things going on around the world, and we could even tend to say, oh, you know what, man, there's no point. Maybe God is kind of delaying. I don't think he's going to come back anytime soon. I don't think I have anything to worry about just yet. Let me kind of just put my garments off to the side a little bit. Let me put my salvation off to the side a little bit. Let me put my identity with Christ off to the side a little bit. Let me go do my own thing for a little bit, right? God's going to delay. But Jesus says, hey, I'm coming as a thief in the night, unexpectedly, suddenly. You're not going to see it coming. We can look at the signs around us and we think, all right, we're getting close, this, that, and the other, right? Everything's being set up. But really, Jesus says, hey, no one knows the day or the hour. Right? Even if, 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 if we look at the signs around us and we think, all right, things are getting close, things are getting heavy, things, it looks like something's going to happen, even that, even we can't even trust in that because Jesus says no one knows. Right? So we can't even, even trust in our own inclination. So it's better to just be ready, man, to, 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 to be steadfast. And as we, as we finish this chapter uh, this morning, you know, that's my encouragement. Just how Jesus says, hey, blessed is he who watches and keeps his garments, you know, unless... As he walked naked, meaning exposed, uh, meaning unprotected, right? And they see his shame. My encouragement this morning is, hey, man, let's continue to persevere. And that was my prayer this morning as I was uh, just going over, over the chapter, and, and that was my, my prayer for myself. I'm like, Lord, help me to persevere, right? Because I get these thoughts in my head, too. Just because I'm up here doesn't mean I'm, 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 uh, I'm protected from any attacks of the enemy on my mind. And I get these attacks, like, well, hey, man, what are you doing you know, spending your, 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 your time right now preparing to, to, to study for, the, for, for, for a teaching, to study for church, right? Uh, to, preparing to teach a Bible study. Hey, go live it up. Go do that. Go whatever. There'll be time later on in the future. It's like, I got I to gotta fight against those things too, man. And like, like Paul tells us there in 2 Corinthians 10, 4, we got to take every single thought captive under, under the authority of Christ, right? Because Jesus says, hey, man, don't let your guard down, right? It's when we begin to let our guard down that, hey, the enemy just, we, we give foothold to the enemy. He comes in and he takes advantage of that. Right? It's like if you give that enemy a toe, he'll come in, he'll take the whole foot. Right? And so Jesus' encouragement to, to the believers was be watching, be watchful. Right? He says, I'm coming as a thief. And that's our encouragement this morning. Is, uh, Lord, help us to continue to persevere. Lord, help us to continue to, to be watchful. Lord, help us to continue to be steadfast. Lord, help us to endure. Lord, help us to be steadfast. And, and that's my prayer for us this morning. As, as we finish, is, uh, I just want to pray for all of us, man. I want to pray for, for you guys as individuals, but I want to pray for all of us that, that the Lord would help us to, to continue to persevere because it's easy to get discouraged. And you turn on the news for man, any, any amount of time, and boom, discouragement. You go on Instagram for any amount of time, it's like, boom, discouragement. Right? You look at all these news sources and all these things, it's like, boom, discouragement. Politics, discouragement. And really, you know, the Lord is showing us that we can't really place our trust in anything else besides Him because He's our only sure foundation. He's our only sure hope. Right? He's the only one who never changes. He's the only one who the Bible says is the same yesterday, today, forever, right, tomorrow and forever. Amen? And so, Father God, as we just uh, uh, close up this chapter this morning, Father, I pray that, Lord, that you would give us that steadfastness, that steadfastness, Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters, Lord, that you would give us that perseverance in our hearts, Father God, to want to continue to serve you, Lord. And, Lord, I want to pray for those who maybe have been feeling weary in their walks, Lord, who may have been feeling discouraged, who maybe have been feeling kind of distant from you. I pray, Father God, that you would 
minister to them, Lord, that you would refresh them, Lord, that you would pour out your Holy Spirit uh, with a double portion upon their life this morning, Father God, that you would just uh, renew in them this intimacy with you, Father God, that they would be able to hear from you, Lord, to, 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 to serve you, God, and to really just uh, uh, want, that, 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 that want to know you, Lord, and want that, 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 that deep personal connection with you, Father. I pray for all, all of us, Lord, just as I was reminded yesterday, Lord, uh, that we would all be able to just return to those first works, Father God, and, and do those things, Lord, that, that first cause us to fall in love with you in the first place. Bring us back to that honeymoon stage, Lord. Bring us to that place of just being, uh, Lord, content, Lord, with you, Father God, and, and our salvation and nothing else, Lord. I pray for anyone here, Lord, who has maybe felt their joy uh, being robbed from them or being taken away from them. I pray, Lord, that you would just restore to us that joy of knowing you, that joy of our salvation, and really that joy and that peace that, that we have by just walking you and trusting you, Lord. Help us to just uh, regroup, Lord, do whatever it is that we need to do in our minds, Father God, to be, to be reminded, Lord, that you're the one who's in control, Father God, and that not one to have you lost control of our lives or our situations, Father. So, Lord, we praise you, Lord, we love you, and we bless you this morning, Lord. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. God bless you guys.